Welcome to Crazy Enough to Win. I'm your host, John Grubbs. Welcome to the show. Now, today's topic is about, well, it's about reopening the economy. And I wore a shirt yesterday for a Zoom meeting, and across the chest it read, Take the First Step. So that's our thinking in today's show. We need to take the first step to reopen the economy. And in order to do so, we are going to revisit a topic that is popular on this podcast during this pandemic. We are going to revisit Sweden again. Now, before we get into what's going on in Sweden, I want to, well, I want to pose a few questions for you to I guess get your mind in the right place for this podcast. And do you think some people are looking for the absence of risk? And first of all, is it possible to emerge from a pandemic without risk? Interesting question. And I believe there is going to be risk. There is always going to be risk. And what we must decide is how much risk are we willing to tolerate in order to get back to work? And I don't think this question has one answer. I think the answer is going to be dependent on the individual, dependent on where the individual lives, and dependent on how, well, how important getting back to work is for that individual. And the sad thing is, you know, we, we can't make informed decisions or rely on today's politicized media. And I hate to admit it that, you know, we live in a time and an era where we just can't trust the news. And there is good news happening, well, pretty much on a daily basis that seems to be overlooked by the media, overlooked by the press. And instead, we hear, well, a lot of gloom and doom. And, you know, if you watch the irresponsible headlines by the media, and sadly, that's what most people read. They never read the details. They just read the headlines. And if you form an opinion based on the headlines that we read, well, it paints a pretty dark and bleak picture about reality. And most of these negative stories actually stoke fear in people that must eventually make a decision to take the risk to take that first step back to work. Now, here's something that I, I think is, uh, well, it's interesting as these larger cities decide to get back to work. It, it seems like the cities that were most hit hard by this coronavirus have a common denominator. And the common denominator for public vulnerability seems to be mass transit. You know, the cities like Houston and Atlanta that don't have large subway systems are not getting hit near as hard as cities like New York. So I think that's interesting. And you're going to see, you know, cities like New Orleans uh, that just don't seem to get the same negative impact or see the same huge numbers 
that the models predicted a month ago. So going forward, you know, for you for you folks that live in large metropolitan areas, you know, think about mass transit as a common denominator for the severity of the virus. And you know, the media is seems to be our biggest barrier to opening the economy back up. And we're not hearing any of the data from Sweden. And remember, Sweden took an alternate approach to locking down. And Sweden's largest city, Stockholm, has 1.5 million residents. So I think they are an excellent example of how many larger cities can reopen responsibly. Now, there's more to follow later in this podcast about Sweden, so don't go away. Now, we are, we're about to start losing people for other, well, other illnesses that are untreated or undiagnosed because of COVID-19. And it's sad to report that our hospitals around the country are actually furloughing employees. Cancer screenings are not happening. People are afraid to seek medical help. And I read that we are now eclipsing the death rate of, for COVID-19 with other acute health issues, meaning that we're starting to lose more people because of other health issues than we are from COVID-19. And when you think about the political dictum that is out there, you know, no carbon emissions means no economy or no jobs. And it feels like we're living a real and current political agenda during this pandemic. Now, I, I, again, this is not a political podcast and I don't want it to be a political podcast, but you can't talk about COVID-19 without, well, at least admitting there is a political component to this virus. I mean, think about the fact that we get to sit at home, we're getting paid by the government, and we're getting told when and where we can go. Businesses are being told they can't open, and businesses are being told how to operate. And there are some highly politically charged ideologies that want this condition to continue for months. It fits into their narrative that they are espousing. Nobody works, everybody gets paid by the government, and the government tells us what we can and cannot do. So the only solution short term is smart calculated risk. We have to get back to work. Now let's revisit Sweden. Since the majority of countries aspire to social distancing, businesses and schools are locked down. And, you know, we can consider Sweden as a control group because they did not do those. And I've said this on several podcasts over the last few weeks that Sweden is the canary in the coal mine when it comes to reopening the economy because they have taken a moderate path that does not destroy their economy. And the government in Sweden demonstrates trust in their citizens to maintain social distancing, to wash their hands, uh, to avoid crowds. They're Basic uh, and primary schools are open. Restaurants and bars are open. And the elderly and those with high comorbidities are urged to voluntarily isolate. So based on that, we can consider Sweden as an experimental 
group, as a control group. And listen to Dr. Jerry Davis. He says, why is the media not acknowledging Sweden's existence and participation in the pandemic? They are the experimental group. It would be helpful to compare daily infection and mortality figures from Sweden to other countries. What if Sweden's figures are comparable without full economic destruction and coercion? Hmm. Interesting quote there from Dr. Jerry Davis. And Gabriel Lee of Forbes says, you know, around Stockholm lately, it appears as if a growing number of people are moving on from the early depths of coronavirus anxiety. Sweden has maintained a higher degree of normalcy than most other countries over the past six weeks. But just as in most places, movement has been down, travel all but stopped, and consumer spending is much reduced. And those Swedes are still encouraged to keep a distance, work from home, and avoid non-essential travel as before. There are signs that many are now deciding to get back to something resembling life before the virus. And it's unclear whether that's warranted or advisable, but it's happening either way. And he said the changes are subtle but noticeable. He said the highway into town from the south now looks as jammed up at 8 a.m. as it ever did on a weekday morning, and that's supported by mobile phone data that indicates Stockholm residents are now headed into town for work at a higher rate. And in the shopping centers, where a handful of stores had gone dark for a time voluntarily, everything is once again open. And even the travel agent selling package holidays is up and running. And the advertising summer and fall trips that are coming back into favor for Swedes. And that's especially fascinating given all the grounded planes and the ongoing uncertainty as to when anybody will be allowed to return to taking trips just for fun. And yesterday in the park down the street, there were kids everywhere as well, has been the case all along, but there was something added, a barbecue with zero social distancing involved. So what else is going on in Sweden? Well, anecdotal evidence suggests that people are returning to their hairdressers in large numbers. Swedish hairdressers haven't been closed during this time as they have been everywhere else, but less people were going to get their haircuts nevertheless. And another interesting development is that hand sanitizer is back in stock. Now, of course, the brand names are obscure and it's being sold at a definite markup, but it's there. And for the first time in about two months, you can find hand sanitizer in the stores. And just about everywhere, there is a definite shift in mood, no doubt helped along by the sun coming out and the days getting longer. And all of this follows a handful of mostly optimistic reports from the public health agency in Sweden indicating that the rate of new infections and deaths remains stable even as numbers continue to rise. And the number of people in intensive care at any one time has stayed flat and most of the field hospitals that were set up in March remain empty. <laughs> and of particular interest are reports that around one quarter of Stockholm, some say even more, is believed to have already had the virus. 
Though that number has been debated, several experts appear increasingly confident that the number of asymptomatic cases is much higher than initially thought. Now, it, you know, it, there's no escaping the interesting time that's going on in Sweden and on what happens as countries in Europe and Sweden's Nordic neighbors begin to ease restrictions themselves. Swedish authorities seem to have accepted that infections and deaths would inevitably cry, climb at a certain rate, so those numbers here look much higher uh, than the neighboring countries. But having avoided wider infections up to now, Will countries like Denmark and Norway soon see a surge in cases when they try to open up? That's a big question because they didn't allow the virus to spread naturally. And here's an interesting question. Will Swedes, having been infected more widely at a reasonably controlled pace, now be better off than everyone else as we attempt to restart economic activity? Hmm. Or could it be that things take a different turn with Swedes suddenly seeing case numbers jump and a lockdown imposed just as everyone else is beginning to emerge. All are questions with ramifications for the entire world. Everyone will no doubt be waiting and watching to see what happens. So it's time for people to take the first step back to work. We can coexist with COVID-19, and Sweden is making our path for the short term clearer and clearer. Now, in contrast to most of the United States, Sweden has imposed no lockdown and no quarantines. Although groups of larger than 50 people are banned, with schools, bars, restaurants, and businesses still open, though with social distancing and other safety measures encouraged, what is happening in Sweden seems like something closer to life as most Americans remember it. Now, the idea is in Sweden is to essentially pursue herd immunity, or I heard another expert call it population immunity. Let the virus spread as slowly as possible while sheltering the elderly and the vulnerable until much of the population becomes naturally immune or a vaccine has become available. And here are the total number of confirmed COVID-19 cases per, get this, 1 million people. Cases per 1 million people as of April 17th. So these are the numbers per 1 million. In Spain, it is 3,910 per 1 million. In Italy, it's 2,700 per 1 million. In the United States, it's 2,028 per 1 million. In the United Kingdom, it's 1,500 per million. And in Sweden, it is 1,241 per million. So Sweden's known rate of infections is lower than other countries and lower than the U.S. rate as well. Now, experts say we must be cautious because the ratio of confirmed deaths to confirmed cases in Sweden was slightly higher than Spain's, though lower than other countries in the world. So get this. This is the, this is the confirmed death rates. In the United Kingdom, it was just over 13%. In Italy, it was 13%. 
In Sweden, it was 10.6%. So their confirmed deaths are lower than the UK and Italy. In Spain, it was 10.4%. And get this, in the United States, it was just under 5%. So Sweden's death rate was much higher. However, there were the three na the, then the three countries that border it, Denmark at 4.6, Finland at 2.3%, and Norway at 2%. So Anders Tegnell, the chief epidemiologist in Sweden who is credited with this COVID-19 strategy, says the infection rate is not a good measure of how a country is doing. And he went on to say that the recorded infection rate depends hugely on the number of tests performed and indicates that tests are used uh, in a way to calculate a more reliable rate. In other words, just infection rates alone are, well, he calls them just unreliable. And when asked if Sweden's strategy has been effective, listen to what Tegnell said. He said partly to the extent that the health system managed the challenge and that there are always free hospital beds, but it's not been so well in protecting the elderly. At the same time, if Swedish studies are accurate, infections and deaths in Stockholm, where more than half of the country's COVID-19 deaths have occurred, should drop substantially in coming weeks. So we're gonna keep watching Sweden. We're gonna keep our eye on Sweden. Look, this podcast is not political. However, political and, well, political ideologies and politics are impacting the short-term future. We cannot rely completely on politicians to control the narrative. We must look at data and make our own conclusions. And here's the big thing. We cannot allow fear to paralyze us. We have to take the first step and get back to work. We have listeners in countries all over the world, including Sweden. This is a shout out to my Swedish fans. I see you, you rock. You can reach me at johngrubs.com. You can reach me at johngrubs.com. I would love to interview you on this podcast, so hit me up and we can Zoom. Now, this podcast is for crazy people. Are we crazy enough to challenge the political narrative? Are we crazy enough to challenge the narrative in the media? Are we crazy enough to go big and take a risk? And here's the big question. Are we crazy enough to go back to work? I think we are. We are crazy enough to win. Until next time.